Today is May 8th. It's a Monday and it's raining. And in so many ways for us, am I right? Bucks get swept by the Blue Jays. Let's break it down. You're listening to the Bridge to Bucktober podcast. Yes, guys. Thank you for listening to Bridge to Bucktober podcast, where we talk all about them Pittsburgh Pirates and that. My name is Josh, and I am, again, not joined by Jake. I was going to read the line because it's on my notes. I was just going to read the line. I'm joined, and Jake's not here again. But that's okay. Um, <laughs> actually tried to get some, uh, some other people on today to take Jake's spot, and just this, this just wasn't the week to do it just wasn't gonna happen so we're all good we're all good here um for those of you on youtube i got a light back here that's not working all the time um it's just gonna go out and it's gonna be like really really dark that's fine i like it give it a little bit of a mood for everything that we've had to watch this week pirates get swept again Blue Jays come into town. We make it back home. It's time to kind of turn this thing around and kind of right the ship from what happened in Tampa Bay. And it did feel like Tampa Bay, we kind of ran into a team that was that was just better than the Pirates and just on all cylinders. But it also kind of felt like they didn't quite play their best, and we talked about that on, on Friday. That was a preview. Uh, to me, I think that the 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 level of play during this homestand, during this weekend against the Blue Jays was significantly worse. Uh, they were not hitting at all. Too many defensive errors. And then if you got anything going, it, it we just weren't. Uh, there was the runners in scoring position in Tampa. I can't imagine that it was much better here, but we barely had anybody in scoring position. When we look over the box score, we'll, we'll make sure we take a look at that. I will make sure. But it's another sweep, and it's more of the starting pitching um, kind of issues that we kind of saw coming, and it's it's unfortunate. An opportunity for the Pirates to show up against some good teams this week and uh, basically just did not go well. Did not go well for the Pirates. Back-to-back sweeps. A couple ALA East teams, we get it. They're really good. Both teams... Blue Jays were on a bit of a skid. They just seemed to come out of it right coming into this series, and they just went off. So we're going to break down these games a little bit and just kind of navigate our way through that, what it means, the kind of feelings that we're all feeling as Pirate fans. Uh, but then also I want to take a little closer look at at Key Brian Hayes, something I look, was looking up this weekend, and I thought it was worth it to bring it up. And so going to bring up a little bit about Key Brian Hayes. I should have queued off. I, I brought this up before. If I if I cue off some music to play during some of this, specifically when it's just me, just to add a little bit, but that's okay. I didn't cue it up because I didn't plan on being solo. But that's how that's how things worked, and it's once again no big deal. So let's talk about the games. Friday night for nothing. 
Pirates muster up four hits. Rich Hill does his kind of typical five and a third, four runs. I'm not really like, I think we've talked about this before where that's kind of what you would expect almost. He's just going to give up. He's going to have those innings. He's going to give up some runs and ultimately, you know, four, three, four runs in five, six innings kind of a thing should be able to keep you in a game at least, but not when you're not getting hits at all. We had four hits in this game, one for four different players. Reynolds obviously hitting his double that he's been hitting almost every day. Castro gets a hit. Marcano gets a hit. And Hedges. Wait, Hedges? That's got to be a typo. <laughs> Hedges gets a hit on Friday night. Um, We're not getting into Hedges. <laughs> I mean, other than the fact that we're going to just, you know, generally talk about it. Anyway, Rich Hill goes five and a third, four runs, five strikeouts. It's just really a mixed bag of what you get from him. And it was more of that. Moretta comes in, inning in two thirds, three strikeouts, uh, kind of, you know, wildly effective again. And then Chase DeYoung comes in, and gosh, we're going to talk about him a couple times, but he gets out of his inning, but two walks, no strikeouts, just doesn't, still doesn't look anything. He looks a little bit like what we saw last year. I, we we fought with this over the offseason talking about, well, you know, he was very good. And then we said some of the numbers don't look like he was very good, but like obviously in the end, the ERA was anyway. And Bednar threw a clean inning on Friday. Four nothing. That game is not like it's not a blowout. It just felt a little bit like it because of the fact that, you know, Kutch is out of the lineup. I think Bay, does Bay exit that? Is that the game he exits early? I believe so. That kind of felt a little bit, um, you know, mixed feelings on Bay, I think, for a lot of people right now. But at the same time, it's just the fact that somebody else goes down with some sort of injury at the same time. Um, but also, I even had like the, yeah, yeah, you didn't have the errors in this game. So, by the way, I just said we were going to look at him. 0 for 2 with runners in scoring position. You got two opportunities. Two opportunities with runners in scoring position. 0 for 2. Of course, that was probably after the Brian Reynolds double, right? That might have been it. Um, I don't actually recall. So, the defense isn't, um, isn't the bad thing. It's the hitting here until we get to Saturday. And Saturday is when it really felt like... Uh, here we go. We could have taken that loss with Rich Hill on the mound and the way that it went. You would have liked to see a little more fight out of the offense, but you kind of get that sometimes. But you go into Saturday. I mean, other than the Sawinski homer, you did drive in one other run. That one looks a little bit more normal. Hedges 0 for 3. Two strikeouts. But you had your Reynolds double. He scores. Connor Joe knocks him in. And then Sawinski ends up with the homer later. Only two runs they muster up in the whole game. However, Oviedo gives up four in the first, three more in the third before he's kind of like just grinds through five innings. It's really just the first and the third inning, but just had to grind. The, the league appears to be adjusting to him. And maybe I'm wrong on this. This is the way I'm seeing it right now. 
And I'm sure that there's more to it. But I think we always knew that the fastball was not accurate. He's still getting that. He's still developing that accuracy with the fastball. And so he's gone to other pitches early and worked his way to that fastball. That got him three strikeouts and three walks in this game. And really his last three starts have not been good. And I do have to find this. I did I did tweet this out yesterday. I, I do want to find it. I'm gonna keep the keep it from being silent air here, but I'm not gonna find it or I am gonna find it. I'm too far back now. All right, let's see here. This was what the heck was the date? Today's the seventh, so yesterday or the this would have been the sixth. Oviedo now 17 earned runs in his last three starts. That's 12 and two-thirds innings in three starts. 17 earned runs. He gave up six earned in the game Saturday. Seven runs total, six earned. But that said the same thing. The league adjusted. Now it's time for Oviedo to adjust back. Part of the process. Keep grinding. And I think that's still like that's still a big deal. He's still young specifically as a starter in in the majors. So he's going to adjust. He's going to have to bounce back from this at some point. You you want him to work through it. We've seen how good he can be. We've all watched it. We've seen how good he can be. You want to give him the opportunity there. Um but this is going to be a grind for him a little bit. Cody Bolton gives up a run, walks 3 though, so he's shown a little bit of that. Johan Ramirez he does give up two hits and a walk, but he gets the two strikeouts in his two innings. And, I mean, kind of sneaky two ERA there for Johan uh, Ramirez. So he might be sticking around a little while. When you start talking about, you know, Cody Bolton, maybe uh, a guy who will be up and down a little bit. Um, obviously, Chase DeYoung, as we move our way into Sunday's game, uh, Roanzi, five runs in five innings. A little bit of a different outing for him in the way that like he looked super sharp. And so you want to say like his last his last time out, we all said like, hey, the, the box score looks one way, but he looked really good. And I still believe that. He looked really good against the Rays. Against the Blue Jays today, it was a little bit of a, a little bit of a here and there. He had a lot of really great pitches early in counts. It seemed like when he got to two strikes, he had trouble putting the way. He did get four strikeouts, but a couple of those, specifically in that third inning, the the pitch for the three-run homer to Merrifield was a curveball. He got to two strikes on a good fastball, made him chase just above the zone. Great fastball. And then the next pitch throws a curveball, kind of middle, kind of bottom of the zone, and... Merrifield fouled it off, and I thought, wow, got away with that one. And then he threw an even like more hittable curveball right after that. Curveball slider, I'm I'm not exactly sure. I thought it was a curveball, but my I'm I'm not thinking straight at this like right now if it was. But it's just like that was the thing. You gotta have that put away, right? And if you don't have it, there's gotta be one way. I think he had Brandon Belt at one point at like a one-two count. And ends up walking him. And is the pitch for the second strike had Belt so off balance. And it just was, it was strange. He ends up walking him because he just didn't have that put away. 
Um, struck out Chapman on a curveball up and in, which looked like a great pitch until you saw where delay was set up on the outer lower side of the plate and he just missed it way up high. It worked out because I think Chapman thought it was the fastball up. And so he went early thinking it was the fastball. It it kind of worked out for him there, uh, but certainly not the put away pitch. Certainly not the pitch he was trying to throw. Also, uh, gosh, Merrifield hits the the lazy ground ball at the bases loaded, two outs. And however you look at this, like I felt like, yes, that should have been Castro's ball that 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 Matthias went over and and went in front of him. I thought it should have been Castro's ball. I don't know if like the way, where Matthias was playing. However, like I don't know that you're as a second baseman as a player because I mean like. You can say it's his ball at all, but as an infielder, you know, okay, this guy's in front. Like, third base is always going to go in front of shortstop. That way you don't run into each other. Like, that's just the way it goes. You're going to go towards first. If third baseman can get to the ball, he's going to have a shorter throw. He's going to have his momentum going towards first. That's the play. This kind of a dynamic is a little bit different because the second baseman is in front and going away, where the shortstop is behind and going towards the problem is, is the ball has to continue to travel to Castro, even though his momentum is going to first and it's an easier throw. You would think, let that ball go through to Castro so he can field it and throw it. But when you watch the replay, Castro's going to be still like, he's not like waiting for it. Um, think back in the first series with Cincinnati when Bay went across the infield and Cruz was sitting there waiting for the ball. It's not that scenario. Castro was still kind of moving. Now, obviously, we think that that's a that's a, a play that Castro can, or that a shortstop. Let's start with a shortstop is going to make most of the time. But Castro also made an error on this game, and it was a seventh error. And I believe uh, six of them are short. We know he's not the greatest shortstop. We know he's stepping in for Cruz. He's a much better defender at third and at second. Um, but I don't know. In this scenario, I don't know if Matthias is necessarily making the wrong play. If he fields this ball and gets it into his hand clean, he probably makes a better throw, and he's out easy. So I'm not sure if if Matthias staying out of the way and allowing that ball to go to Castro would have been the right call anyway. As a second baseman, you make that play, and you make an error on it. Now, the biggest thing about this is that they gave him an infield hit. In no way, shape, or form is that an infield hit. He fielded the ball. He bobbled it. He did not get it out of his gloves. That's the error. And if that's not the error, he threw the ball to first, and it was wide and and high. I, I don't know how, and, but the ball beat him. Other than the swipe tag, he was able to get... I, I don't know how that's a hit. I don't know why MLB keeps doing this. The the play that I'm referring to in Cincinnati with G1 Bay, they also called that a hit. It's not a hit. He clearly made an error. Both of those cost runs in one way or another. And our pitchers are on the hook for those runs. Doesn't matter, right? It's a team run. Either win or you lose. But in the end, uh, it's not that it's not that Rowanzi had the had everything in the bag, but five innings, four runs, earned runs would have looked a lot better. I don't have uh, 
I don't have a buffer to take my drinks, but I do have to take my drinks. So you're going to hear my lips smacking the whole time. You don't want that. But anyway, uh, Moretta comes in again. Clean inning with a strikeout. Jose Hernandez, two more strikeouts. And then Chase DeYoung comes in after having a clean inning. Goes into the dugout. Comes back out for a second inning. And maybe Chase DeYoung's the problem. Maybe it's the problem of bringing him back out after he'd already been in. But the Pirates have shown that, first off, he's one of the guys that can do that. But also that they're going to do that. They've conditioned their guys to do that. However, it backfired. He just doesn't look good. He just doesn't look good. His ERA is now at 1061. This game was a 5 to nothing game from the 5th inning to the 8th inning. The Pirates get a run across. They're in a position to even tie the game. But if nothing else, they're in a position to, to tack on some runs there and they don't come through. This game, one for eight, by the way, with runners in scoring position, one for four on Saturday. I didn't say that. So 0 for 2, 1 for 4, 1 for 8. So a little bit more of the same, but I, I mean, really, it's a lot more in this one. I thought I thought a lot of sloppy play on defense, too. I thought a lot of sloppy play on defense in this game. Um, I'm surprised of the errors that are... Like, like, like I said, this game should have had two errors. Matthias did not get credit for the error. Only one error the day before, but I, I felt like there was more than that. Um, I thought there was more than that. Hayes gets two hits today as they do get eight hits in this game. Reynolds, however, goes hitless, which is interesting just because I just said he hits a double every game. Andujar gets a hit. Ugh. Matthias hits the one off the wall. Jason DeLay, two more hits back up to 383 on a two-for-four day for him. I mean, all right, Jason DeLay. I mean, <laughs> at some point, right, at some point that – you have to let delay play until this stops. When he can when he can show that he's not hitting, <laughs> then let's get Hedges back in the mix. Not in the mix, but getting the bulk of the starts, I guess. Cause right now we need offense and Jason Delay is hitting. I, I don't know how you argue that. We need to make that happen, at least until the hot streak's over. I get it. There was the comment that was made. I have it here. What was the comment that uh, Derek Shelton made? Says that he likes him at backup, basically. It says, no, I like where he's at. He's done a really good job. But I think on the flip side of it, there's a lot Hedgy brings for us at the plate in terms of what he does. That's very vital to us. The fact that Hedgy is here, Jason has grown a ton on that side of baseball, of the baseball, excuse me, in terms of how he's doing, how he's running the game. Great indicator, just watching the ninth inning last night with Bednar. The pitch mix there, that's growth. That's really important. So it's kind of a little bit of Shelton there saying that maybe delay is getting closer to that, but he really likes and I really like it. Sometimes there's guys that are clear backups that if they don't, if they don't keep playing all the time and having success by not playing all the time, then they keep having success by not playing all the time. Sometimes you send a guy out there a lot and he gets overexposed and it's not the same. He gets overexposed, he starts to get in a rut, and then when he goes back to part-time, well, everybody's got the book on him already and he's done. I think this way you prolong that a little bit. You put him in matchups where he's he's in a good place to succeed, the lefty today. 
the thing about Hedges for me, I knew he couldn't hit. I knew it was going to be bad. But we kind of assumed there'd be a little bit of pop. And there has not been that. If he could just pop me 10 home runs, I don't know. Right now, the average is so low that I don't even know how you play enough to get 10 home runs with that average. I am on record recently on record in saying that he's very important to what this pitching staff has been doing. I still believe that, but our offense was hitting and I'm okay with that. If he can continue to be impactful with our starting pitchers and our, and the rest of our offense can continue scoring four plus runs a game, you know, on average, then I'm okay with that. And I and I've had the, you know, I've had the conference. It's like having a pitcher there. I get it. It it kind of, I mean, it really is. Right now, the way he's hitting right now, even though I think that he has the potential to do more things, like I said, um, he's good at the fundamental stuff. He has bunted a few times and it's been good. Situational hitting where he's going to a certain side, but way too much swing and miss for me to even consider the situational hitting a positive. Not uh, bunning, I'll give you that. But like, how much? How much? How much is bunning doing? How much is bunning really making a difference? I love it when it's there, but like, we're not doing that. It's not like, yeah, but man, the dude can bunt. Like, I, you know what I'm saying? Like, I love a bunt. I love strategic baseball. I don't think that that's gonna. That's not something that is. That's something that you add on to your skill set. It's like, and he can bunt which is really good and important for situations. Yeah. That's about how, that's how you can say it. You can't be like, yeah, he can't hit, but he can bunt. No, that doesn't play. But when you say he can also hit 10 to 12 homers in a year. Okay. I mean, there's at least that shot that it happens. And, and maybe there's three, four games throughout the course of a year that he has the impactful home run that could make a difference if you're still doing what you're doing with the pitching staff and if the rest of the offense can carry the fact that you're just going to be every once in a while chipping in and i to me that's got to be that's got to be the the way that it happens and the offense was doing fine and the pitching was doing great but here we are for a week now seven straight games where we're not seeing not every game right there's been some decent pitching and, and through through this but we're not seeing the big difference in the pitching staff right now. We're not seeing the rest of the offense be able to carry that position. Now, granted, we lost this game 10-1 to 1 today, and the backup catcher had two hits. So what kind of an impact did he make by being in the lineup today? Maybe not so much. But you can count on that to make a difference occasionally. I said I wasn't going to get into hedges. I said I wasn't going to do it. I still like what Hedges brings to the table with the pitching staff. I really do. I also really like the potential of what Hedges could bring to Andy Rodriguez or to Henry Davis when they get to that spot. I'm afraid he's not even going to be on the roster when Andy comes up because Jason DeLay is going to force himself on there and they're probably not going to carry three catchers unless they do this Andy thing soon and have him uh, maybe DH the majority of the time or get some spot starts or get some starts in right field or something. Uh, we know he can do it. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to speculate that sort of thing uh, right now. 
So where does that leave us? I mean, seven straight losses. This team, throughout this Toronto series, I'm going to take a drink here. This team looked to be hanging their heads all week, but specifically the weekend. Uh, a lot of us have taken notice early in the year with the winning streaks and the way that they did it and the 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 different ways that they went through some games that there's a lot of fight in this team. And so we claimed it. We claimed fight. We started seeing the success. We knew that there was going to be struggles like what we're seeing right now. But we, because of the fight we saw, we said, man, I, I just kept telling myself, like, I, I don't know. Could this team actually figure more out than what we thought because of that fight? And the leadership plays a big role in that. And here we are, this Blue Jays series, I saw none of that. I saw a team hanging their head. I mean, they looked like they looked like they'd already lost seven straight coming into that series. And it's like you just got swept by the hottest team in baseball. And then there's a fourth win in there, which happened in a series that you won. So, like, who cares? You won that series. You just kind of tacked that on to the, to the streak is all you did. And they just looked, I don't want to say lifeless, but, like, they, they looked bummed. They were down in the dumps. Okay, so Kutch is out of the lineup for a little while. Because he can't play, right? Not because he was getting a day off, but because he he was scratched. That can't be that can't be what makes you hang your head. Oh, and then Velasquez goes down. So let's crap. Now we're. It's like it wasn't even a panic. It was a. Well, that was fun. It's no wonder that us as fans feel the same way. But like, not these guys haven't been on the pirates most of these guys so why are you like why are you like us we're the ones carrying this the fans we're the ones that say yeah i knew it couldn't last but as the players we expect you guys to be the ones to stay confident i didn't see that they've got to show that they can bounce back from losing some games and they just didn't show that now, i'm not going to jump the gun and say that that connor joe has definitely not figured something out just like I've admitted that he has figured something out. I'm not going to, you know, jump the gun and say that this rotation is back to earth when we don't really know if earth is actually somewhere in the middle of what we saw during the 18 quality starts and what we saw this week. I'm just not jumping the gun because I wasn't jumping the gun before because you just don't do that. Like you're going to go through hot streaks. It was surprising to us and, and, and a load of fun that we got to see like all of our starting pitchers go through a hot streak at the same time. However, I think that Keller is still looking fine. I mean, one earned run in his start, the defense was the problem in that game. He'll be going this week. We're hoping that he, he's got to be the stopper, right? We've talked about several different things that have happened throughout the course of this season and through some of his starts where he was given the ball to go a little extra and he was being treated like an ace, be the stopper. That's what an ace does. Now, I also don't necessarily think that Keller's all the way there yet. I think he's being treated that way. He's being groomed that way. He's developing, looking like he could end up that way. This would be a step in the right direction for him. 
and for the Pirates, obviously. Obviously. But we've been hesitant to say this team will continue to be special all year. So I'm going to be hesitant to say that this team is just back to 100 losses. They stink. They're never going to win again. You're looking at a team that's in first place right now. Believe it or not, if you listen to this on Monday morning or before the game Monday night, this team is in first place still. Best time you could lose a bunch of games is when the rest of your division is also losing a bunch of games. Ultimately, it doesn't matter if you have the best record in the National League. It matters if you have the best record in the National League Central. And right now they do. So that's the thing. I I talked about it a couple different times. I mean, this has been a theme that I've been talking about is when you go through your struggles, you're doing it from above ground. This team acted like they were doing the, like they weren't above ground, like they were digging a hole. They haven't dug a hole yet. They're still five games over 500. If they turn this thing around and take two of three against Colorado, then all of a sudden you're like, all right, we're doing all right. Well, look, I was going to look and see who's after that, but let's let's wait. Let's look at that later. Let's stay on task here. Got to stay on task. We're going to see good. We're going to see bad. We're well aware of that. We were aware of that coming in. But the fact that they're still in first place means that right now you have to at least entertain the idea that you're competing because that's what you're supposed to be doing. And until you start getting buried and say, crap, this isn't our year, you're in position to continue to play for a playoff spot. And I think as fans, that's not ridiculous for us to want them to do that. Even though we, in the back of our heads, know that they weren't supposed to be a playoff team this year. This isn't a postseason club. We knew that this was a step that way. But most of us who've been kind of looking at the rebuild and knowing that if everything's on time, with a rebuild, and, and we're not talking about when they started being bad, we're talking about when Sherrington started his rebuild, which was 2020, and unfortunately, 2020 sucked, and I think he lost a lot. I think that he's at a very big disadvantage, the fact that was year one. However, he's had plenty of time since then, and I think that there's still, like, he'll have no excuses come 2024. You know, we talked, we've talked about it. We've done the math. We've talked about a rebuild, what it takes. We've looked at history and what teams take when they do it and they do it well, that it's a four year rebuild 20, 21, 22, 23, 24. They should be a team that's, that's competing all year. Maybe not playoffs. Baltimore Orioles last year made a big push. They got over 500, right? They finished just over 500, I believe. Maybe it was just under. Either way, they were in it, they were in the mix. And that was their, that was their, uh, 20, 20, 21, 22, 20. So that was their, that's 2024 for us. That's what that is. And they started showing that kind of stuff the year before. So I thought that if, if we were going to continue to, and if we do, if we turn this thing around and we say, okay, we went on a seven game skid. Now we're going to balance this thing out and go then they're still kind of on the trajectory to say like they're they're still doing all right. They stay 500, they're, you know, 5 games over or whatever. So, you know, and you you're going to have this. You're going to have this up and down. We all know that. I don't know. This is why we love baseball, man. No matter what your roster looks like on paper, you got to still play the games. Um no one saw the Cardinals 
being the worst team in the National League. I think a lot of people were down on the Cardinals, and I, and there were some of us, myself included, who kept looking at that lineup saying, like, why does everybody hate this team? And they they just kept telling me, it's the pitching, it's the pitching. And I'm like, dude, I'm a Jack Flair. Like, I'm a, I think Flaherty's really good. He's not been good. He's not been good. I still think that's not right. I think he's a very good pitcher, and he will be a very good pitcher, and he just has to figure it out. I don't think that that justifies the people who said they're their pitching just is terrible all the way through. I think they have a lot of holes. Flaherty's got to step up, but I think it's time you start bringing a couple of those young guys up. But we're not we're not going to talk about the Cardinals. We're not going to talk about the Cardinals. This is why you play them. This is why you play the games. Because the Cardinals right now, I have the standings up somewhere here. Here they are, eleven and twenty four. They did win today, but that stopped an eight game losing streak. They're the complete opposite of us when you look at run differential. Negative 19, we're a plus 18 right now. But they've lost even more games. They're nine games back of us right now. Don't think that that Cardinals team can't surpass us during this season. They can. If they just get pitching, if Libertor comes up, if McGreevy comes up, and they start dealing and Flaherty figures it out and Michaelis, and you get one of those other guys. Or they go pick up somebody in June even, July. They can make a run. This division, we all know, is down. The Cardinals, to me, were the only really good team in the division. They're not obviously not playing like it, which means take advantage of it because the hole that they've dug means this division will be the worst division in the National League. There's no question at this point because of the start that they've gotten off to. Unless Milwaukee runs, but even then, we're already, you know, the Dodgers have one less loss than us in first place. 2014, we're 20 and 15, but they're playing right now against San Diego. I actually can check on that score. Still relatively early. Anyway. All right, let's get into Key Brian Hayes. I I, I told a couple people there's been some some chatter about Key Brian Hayes, and I told a couple people that I had some numbers that I looked up this week. And so I'm gonna throw you some Key Brian Hayes numbers, and we're gonna kind of entertain this what's going on with Key kind of stems from this comment that I don't have in my notes, but I've got it. Don't you worry about that. I've got it. I was I was looking some stuff up about Key Brian and, and kind of paying attention to what, and he, he kind of got that, uh, he got the day off after or whatever. But I just kept thinking like, man, this guy is so unlucky. And I wondered if that was so true. And I was actually, I was actually watching um, Thursday, right after we recorded our Friday show. I was watching the fan forum, and I'd already started this work on the key stuff, but I, you know, I was saving this for Sunday. And somebody, uh, Pittsburgh sports all the time, puts in the chat: Key Brian Hayes might be the only baseball player I've ever seen who hits the ball too hard nearly every time. And I was like, man, that fits right along with what I'm, you know, trying to find out if that's actually true, because I know that's the way I feel. And uh, with our conversations on Twitter with a lot of you guys, it's the same. We're all kind of saying if he could just hit it easier. Uh, the other option is launch angle. And, you you know, you talk about this, which always surprises me when I was like when I was in high school, we used to play this game where you'd get in the cage or you or you're on the field, depending on uh on where you're at uh, in the season, but you'd get in, you'd, you'd get your at bat for BP 
And the game was called No Pop, No Pull. And this was a game to to teach you to be disciplined on going the opposite way, everything to the right of second base, and not hitting it in the air. Because that's what they taught. Because fly balls are easier to play, and line drives and ground balls get through. Hit them hard, but go the other way. So that when you're pitched that way, you can just go with it and you're not just rolling over with easy stuff. Whatever. Get the whole bag. Everybody can pull the ball, right? That's what that's. I feel like that's what, I don't know. Now it's like when you talk about Key Brian Hayes, if he could just hit pop-ups to the pull side, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like that's what it feels like. I understand there's a difference between a fly ball and a pop-up, but that's what it feels like. Like don't hit fly balls. And yet we're saying, Key Brian needs to hit more fly balls. Here's why that makes sense. Because Key Brian hits the ball so hard that if he did lift the ball, they would start going over the fence. (laughs) I think that's the difference between Key Brian and a lot of high school hitters and why they're teaching that type of discipline. I don't mind Key Brian Hayes not being a home run hitter. And I think that's the one thing that we get mixed up in. Saying, oh, he's an elite defender, but if he can't hit. No, no, he can hit. This isn't going to last. What he's doing right now is fine. It's just not working. So let's take a look at it. He's coming into today, 234, 289, 355. 77 OPS plus 75 weighted runs created plus, depending on which one you like better. After today, though, I have the 242, 300 on base, 359 slugging with an 80 weighted runs created plus. So he's still a below average hitter. So... That's it. He's a below average hitter. He stinks. That's not it. Check these numbers out here. Currently ranks 13th in batted balls, 95 and higher, which is what they consider a hard hit. So anytime that you've said like, oh, he hit that ball really hard, they have a statistic for that. It's called 95 miles per hour and higher. It is um, it is a legitimate thing for you to say he smoked that ball if it's 95 miles per hour off the bat. They've already qualified that. That is a hard hit with capital H's. So when you say, oh, he hit that ball 95, uh, that's not it's not 104, so he didn't he didn't crush it. No, no, no. They've already determined that that is crushing it. I've seen balls come off at 90 where I was like, oh, he had a nice hard line drive. It just doesn't qualify as a hard hit until it hits that 95. Once you've hit 95, you're in that upper echelon. That's a that's a very hard hit ball worth talking about. So we're talking about throughout this whole thing, we're talking about 95 and higher. 108 batted balls. What is this? Out of 108 batted balls, 51 of them were 95 and higher. That's 47.1%. Now that was two more today of his four. So you can do that math in your head, but it gets a little bit closer to 50%. At the time, this is all going into Sunday because it, StatCast isn't going to update right away, but that's 77th percentile in baseball. So he's up in the top 25% of guys hitting the ball 95, hard hits, hitting the ball hard. Average exit velocity is 92.6, which is in the 92nd percentile. Now you're talking the top 8% of hitters in baseball on the average exit velocity, he's hitting the ball hard. Even when it's not that 95, that hard hit range, even today, all four of his hits today, he was he was two for four 
all four of them 91 or higher. And he was actually below 95, he was one for two, and above 95, he was one for two. Hardest hit ball of the day was an out, 104. He has seven barrels this season so far, and that is, I don't know if any of those today were, that is a batted ball with, this is what they've defined it as, a batted ball with the perfect combination of exit velocity and launch angle. That's what they do. That's 38th percentile. So seven barrels, not quite. Why is that? Well, because we've already talked about that. He doesn't lift the ball enough. So he's got a lot of ground balls that are hit that hard. Well, those 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 launch angles are not. They're either they're either very low or even negative, uh, which is which would be like a ground ball that goes straight into the ground. In those seven, he's two for seven with a homer and a double. That's a 286 average. The expected batting average of those hits is 641. He's 355 points below the expected batting average of those seven swings. Uh, take away the homer, because that's not a that's not a batted. Uh, when you look at uh, batting average on balls in play, that eliminates the home runs because it's not actually in play. And he's one four six, which is a one sixty seven batting average on balls in play on barrels on the perfect. It's you know if you play MLB the Show, that's a perfect perfect swing, and you're hitting one sixty seven. Small sample; it's only seven seven hits, six hits. All seven of these are from ninety nine point three to one hundred and eight point two, and nineteen degrees and thirty six degrees. Nothing shorter than three hundred and thirty nine feet. So. I don't know what the actual conditions of those are, but it's it's at least 19 and it's at, at, at least as high as 36. Could be give or take some of those, but you're also talking about 99 to 108. This isn't, you know. So I looked it up just to, just to see, less so. Any of his batted balls that are under 95 coming into Sunday, 53 of them, 53 of them, 51 are over 95, 53 are under. It's ridiculous. He has an expected batting average of 231 on those, and he has a 226. So that's very close. That's very close. Still a little bit on the unlucky side. Of players who've seen at least 400 pitches, Hayes has seen 506. We're talking about 400 pitches. And of their hard hits. So we're just talking about hard hits again, 95 and above. Qualifying is uh, 176 players. 176 players have at least a hard hit who've seen at least 400 pitches. Hayes is number 172 out of 176 in average with a 340 average on those hard hits. 340 on hard hits over 95, and that's ranked 172. I think it's important to know the rank because it shows that throughout the rest of the league, there's 171 guys who've hit balls over um, over 95, they're all doing better than that. So that tells you that you're supposed to do better than that. He's ranked 170 in batting average minus expected batting average. It is negative 121. So he's 121 points below where he's supposed to be on those, which puts him at 461 is his expected batting average for that. A little comp on our team, Connor Joe's number 10 with an average 117 higher than his expected batting average. 
He's also number 22 in average on the list. Connor Joe on balls hit over 95 is hitting 606. Compare that with Key Brian hitting 340. Number 51 in average exit velocity of those hard hits, right? 102.7 miles per hour. And number 159, and this is there, this is where we're at. Number 159 in average launch angle, 6.6. A lot of ground balls. Only two of the 17 players below him on the list of average launch angle, only two of the 17 players below him has a lower batting average than him. There's only two. So that means even with that launch angle of 6.6 or lower, you do better than 340 because those hard ground balls usually find their way to the outfield. A comparable player to Key Brian right now is George Springer, who we've seen in the last few days. One for five Friday night, three hard hits, a ground out, a line out, and a home run. One for four Saturday night with three hard hits. The fourth at bat was 93. So really could have, you know, it was close. He had a single, a double play, and a ground out in those hard hits. And he's having a lot of the same type of luck. He's hitting 316 on hard hits with an expected batting average of 495. That's 179 below. Remember, Hayes was 121. And Springer's hitting 211, 276, and 308. 64 OPS plus. So your weighted, I didn't look up weighted run screen plus frame, but it's around the same number. They're very close to each other in most cases. So, I mean, George Springer, you're, you're talking about a guy who's even more unlucky than Key Brian Hayes, but you saw how he impacted the games. What did he do Sunday? It'd be nice to see him kind of making a turn there. Nope, one for five. One for five in that game. But if I look him up, let's see. Two of them were hard hits. One of them was 89.2, and he was one for five. The single was the hardest one he hit, but it was a ground ball with a launch angle of negative six. It's a ground ball through the infield. Expect a batting average 430 on a ground ball hit 108. I guess I say this to say these things kind of even themselves out a little bit. Key Brian Hayes is hitting the ball hard. His launch angle, while it is less so, is still not like a major problem. Like I said, there are 17 players below him in, in launch angle, but with a with a lower average launch angle and only and, and basically 15 of them have a higher batting average on those hits than he does on his. So take this how you will. Say what you want. But Key Brian Hayes, in my opinion, when I look this stuff up, he's going to be fine. This is going to average out. This doesn't league average, I think, right now for, for batting average on balls in play, which we talked about for him on these balls, on the on the barrels, was 176. In general, coming into today, Hayes had a had a batting average on balls in play. I'm going to find this statistic of 262. And league average right now is 292. So he's just below there, hitting probably better than he has. Strikeout percentages have been right around 21-22% for his career. They're at 12% right now. 12%. It's ridiculous. His K rate is in the 93rd percentile. His whiff rate is in the 95th. Max exit velocity 90th. Average 92nd. Hard hit rate 77th. Expected slugging 67. Expected batting average 87th percentile. 87th percentile in expected batting average. And he's doing what he's doing. 
Now we know the barrels are low because of the launch angle. Chase rate, 55th percentile, better than average. I love that they say arm strength, 25th percentile, because like most of the time, he's just not throwing it that hard. Outs above average. We know the defense. He's not striking out. He's just not. Where's the numbers we said? 12.6. He's in the top 7% of the league. Top 10% of the league in max exit velocity. Top 8% in average exit velocity. He's fine, guys. It's just uh, he's very unlucky. That's actually what it is. And, you know, we've had the conversations. You know, I had a, a, a short Twitter conversation with somebody today who just said, if he could just give us league average offense. I can't, I can't, after looking all this stuff up, like you, I mean, and watching the games, you can't help but believe that if he, if he was, if he was just less unlucky, he'd be having a league average or better offensive season. Pirates got three against the Rockies coming up this week. Kyle Freeland, Monday night. Um, I think it's to be determined or it's Connor Siebold. Um, I think they list Connor Siebold on MLB. Um, AT&T said they weren't sure. And then Rich Hill versus Antonio Senzatella on Wednesday afternoon. Tuesday is going to be the day that we're going to figure some things out. There's going to be some moves. I would assume that Luis Ortiz is going to be up here to pitch Tuesday. would be really great if Keller can deal, kind of write some things, and Ortiz can, can kind of settle in and not have that kind of pressure on him and just go out there and see what he can do against this Rockies team. They've been playing better. Six of four in their last ten. They just won their last two against the Mets. Definitely a different team than who we played in Colorado for that four-game series. And we are, I would say, definitely a different team coming into this series as well. I would love to see the fight from the Pirates. Not uh, not what we saw against Toronto, for sure. Not what we saw against Toronto. Guys, we are still in first place. Somehow holding it down. Let's see if that continues through this week. Thursday's off, and then it's the Orioles. It's not going to let up. Thanks, guys, for listening. Enjoy this Monday morning still in first place as last week. Hope you have a great week. Talk to you again Friday. Thanks for listening to my dad and Uncle Jake on the Bridge to Bucktober podcast. Follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Bridge the Number Two October. Don't forget to subscribe so you know when new episodes are released. Clear the deck, cannonball coming, and let's go, Buck.